Welcome to I Hate It Here, the podcast for HR and people professionals, making the hardest job in the world just a little bit easier. I'm Hibba Youssef. Having studied DEI for a really long time, IBM was one of the first companies that actually implemented a comprehensive DEI strategy in the 90s because they were like, we want to increase our business and how do we do that? And they hired a DEI person whose whole mission it was to say like, okay, sales, go out into these communities that we are not touching and let them know that we are a viable company for them to be part of. So that they're in increased their visibility and increased their sales. Like they literally just were like, we are trying to expand. This is good business. Do you want to celebrate your employees and customers, but you're not quite sure where to start? Let me introduce you to Snappy. Whether you are handpicking a gift for a birthday, offering a collection of options for anniversaries, or looking for onboarding swag that's guaranteed to please, they've got you covered. Gifting doesn't have to be complicated or overwhelming. Choose Snappy for a gifting experience that's sure to delight every single time. Go to snappy.com slash I hate it here to sign up for free and start gifting today. Leaders don't just appear. They're molded and developed. Stop losing great people to ineffective management and communication. PI Inspire supports the personalized development of leaders at every level. And when you have leaders throughout the business, everyone benefits. Welcome back to another episode of the I Hate It Here podcast. I am joined today by someone I would consider a friend, someone I admired on the internet long before we actually became friends, and a fellow book lover, um, Tara Terkanes. Welcome, Tara. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You are a friend. You are also my confidant. We talk a lot of yes, and a lot of shit. I just appreciate you so much. You're my protector and also my safe space, which is very nice. And you give the best book recommendations. I just need more time to read, but we've already talked about this, you and I together. What's the job where like you just read and you get paid really well to do it? Because like they don't pay editors enough to be reading books. They don't. But like my dream when I first actually moved to LA was to get into development so that I could read books and then turn them into properties. But then I realized that that <laughs> that stream is so small. <laughs> they, they're like, you're like, I'm not going to do this. Girl, actually. Uh, in my taste are probably like not blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, my, my neither. Honestly, I'm the one watching like all the indie flicks that I'm like, wow, this is so fascinating. And everyone's like, why are you watching this? And I'm like, well, but so see, good. like, and I read books and I cast them. So like the yes, current one same. that I recommended to you that you're <sighs> reading I cast it and then I saw on socials that people were casting it differently from me. And I was like, I think we got this all wrong, guys. I don't know. <laughs> that is, I'm reading Yellow Face, everyone. And it is, oh, it is so good. I know you told me it was good, but I have not been able to put mm-hmm. it down. I was mm-hmm. reading in between meetings today. Yes. I was like, oh, 10 minute break. I'm going to read. Five minute break. I'm going to read. 100%. 100%. So I cast it. And I was like, oh, I don't think that that's what they're going to do. No, but they also do that. I have, do you ever watch the TikToks where they cast like popular fantasy novels and then mm-hmm. it ends up into a lot of very interesting discourse about what the characters look like? And it is the height of my entertainment on the internet, honestly. <laughs> also, people are going to be like, what is this a book podcast, not a HR know, podcast okay. anymore? Sorry. Okay, sorry. We're oh. here to talk about HR. We're here to talk about, okay, we're here to tell everybody who you are, what you've done, your hopes and dreams, all the fun <laughs> things. I don't know if we have time for that. Um, I, <laughs> Tarzer Keynes, I'm the founder of Equity Activations. We help small and mid-sized companies embed DEI into their operational business. I am a practitioner. I have actually done this job inside companies, which is something that's rare, I think, in these yes. consultant streets that are out there. So I understand the complexities of uh, business operations. So yeah, and I've uh, spent majority of my career doing talent acquisition. So I know of what I speak, people. I know. Isn't that terrifying? Sometimes I see people give advice on the internet and I'm like, I would never, I'm your HR person. I would tell you to never do that. Maybe I should start doing that. I should start giving like unhinged HR advice where I'm like, here's what you should say to your HR person when they tell you to do that thing. Uh, there, I will send you TikTok videos of where they're actually doing that. Oh, now. I love it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we're 
peek behind the curtain, I think more of us need to like lift the curtain up a little bit because sure. there's a lot of crazy advice out there that's not good. Not stupid. And so you've done this work. Yep. So you you know <laughs> intimately the hardships of doing this work. Like the reason why I joke I have so many white hairs is because of this job. A hundred percent. I understand. Yes, it is not easy work at all. But um, yes, I love it. And that's the only reason why I can say I keep doing it. I tell people like, you know, I get a lot of people who are like, I really love people and I want to get into talent acquisition or DEI. And I'm like, maybe you won't love them after this work. So that may not be enough. You see so many people's uh, bad sides when you do this work. Mm -hmm. And it's it's hard to like continue believing in people when you you have to see the hard parts. And like, also we as, we as the HR people, like we can't be shitty to each other. We're not allowed to be shitty to employees, but sometimes they can be shitty to us. And rightfully so they're probably upset about something, but a lot of times like we can't, we're not the people at fault for the thing that we're trying to fix. I think I'm coming to this realization that we have a fundamental lack of understanding of what other people's experiences are within the world. And you know, a lot of people are standing 10 toes deep on feeling rather than fact. And I think HR and DEI and talent acquisition people are charged with this sometimes really shitty task to tell people that your feelings aren't facts. And yeah, this is why this needs to happen. What do you mean my feelings aren't facts? What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish my feelings, my feelings are facts. I'm so rich, <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> I die. That's so true. I'm going to think about feelings as facts now for like the rest. That might be the episode title. Your feelings are facts. Here we go. Um, it's so interesting too, because we're, we're talking in the month of February, you know, my favorite month when companies, uh, remember that black people exist in the world. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. That's really what it feels like though, during black history month, where suddenly, You'll see people come out of the woodwork and say they care so much about the experiences of others. And you've worked in DEI for such a long time. When, when you see these things happening, do you ever think to yourself, like, this is just performative? I'm watching performative work at its best. But here's the thing. Like, okay, so the reason why Black History Month, aside from the obvious reasons, is my favorite is because it's the one that starts off all of the observances month for the year. Mm-hmm. So- What companies are starting to do for Black History Month, they're likely may do for Women's History Month, for LGBTQ. Like there's a slew of observances months, right? And I think it's fair to say that we should have a comprehensive conversation on what the goal is to celebrate these months. Like what are you trying to achieve, which goes back to your DE&I strategy? Like what's your goal in celebrating this? And that should inform how you then, in fact, actually do it. So it's fascinating to me because as I think more and more about embedding DEI into business operations and strategy, so many companies are treating this like an initiative, like a throwaway, like, hey, you know, shortest month of the year group of people. (laughs) Um, You know, we there's historical ways of they've done it badly when Walmart did that whole like, is it like? Kente cloth ice cream or something. I don't know. <laughs> the, I, I I was about to say in my head, I thought it was ice cream, but I was going to wait for you to say it. They did something awful with ice cream and everyone was like, ooh, too far. Right. And so a lot of this leads to who's in the room when you're making these decisions about these groups of people. You know, having studied DEI for a really long time, IBM was one of the first companies that actually implemented a comprehensive DEI strategy in the 90s because they were like, we want to increase our business and how do we do that? And they hired a DEI person whose whole mission it was to say like, okay, sales, go out into these communities that we are not touching and let them know that we are a viable company for them to be part of. So that they're in increase their visibility and increase their sales. Like they literally just were like, we are trying to expand. This is good business. I think there are some companies who are just standing on either it's the right thing to do and we have no idea how to do this thing, or it's a marketing initiative, but we don't really intend on implementing it internally. So we do things like can take cloth, you know, ice cream, if that's even what it is, I can't even remember. 
I can't remember what it was either. I need to Google this afterwards. Ice cream Walmart. I I just remember the internet was like ablaze that day. Everyone um, was like, no. Awful. And what I've been doing lately is just quietly observing how companies are celebrating this month, particularly this year in an election year that's going to be really contentious. A lot of things are happening politically and socially you know, and we have like all of these, you know, companies or who are who are deciding that DEI is not part of their agenda. And that's fine. Like, you know, I grew up with parents and grandparents who were like, you don't like black people. Let me know out loud so I can just completely avoid you altogether. I'm OK with that. Like, if that's your whole thing, if you're like, I don't care about this whole community, I'm actually fine. Show yourself. That's fine with me. But the pretenders are the ones that are most difficult. So, you know, I'm getting all of these, like a lot of people, like my inbox is flooded with newsletters and, you know, recipes for, and, and all of these different things I get like daily. It just drives me crazy. And I just go on a massive deletion spree, but I've been noticing, I'm like, so for black history month, some of these like food newsletters can't even celebrate like black food. Like there's not enough content. You mean to tell me when it comes to black food that you can't highlight some content creators who are doing interesting things when it comes to food. Like, do we not contribute to the fabric of a food industry? Yeah. We don't? Dang. That's a lot. That's a, okay. That's a lot to unpack. That's not a lot because I agree with everything you're saying to be very clear. And I feel the same way. That's why, that's why we were talking about this today. Right, right, but right. you're right. I mean, for me, it's like, if you're going to say, I, I do like the thought on like, if you don't care, just say you don't care. Right. Like that is, I respect that more than you telling me like, we care about the black experience. And then I look at your company and you don't have a single person of color in your executive team. You don't have your compensation policy at all visible to your employees. You don't put pay ranges on your jobs. I'm like, there's a lot of things that tell me that you do actually care about that. And so like, if you don't like, maybe don't put out a statement. Don't even say anything. Like I was talking to another colleague who, um, he was saying he respects it. Like, for, for example, there's one company that just did a lot of layoffs and most of their layoffs hit the black population. So they're not doing anything that's like happy Black History Month. Right. Because they're like, we know we just basically decimated that demographic within our company. And that's, you know, that's that's fake. So like we can't you, we're not in a position to say that we value that if something like this happened. And it's a hard conversation to have internally. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of it too is like PR. Mm-hmm. People are like, I'm going to, I'm going to like what you said, like, are they using black history month for marketing? Yeah. That to me, like honestly doesn't sit well with me. Like when I get the emails, did you get the emails that are like, it's black history month. Here's a sale. I'm like, y'all are missing the point. You are <laughs> way missing the point of what's at stake here for you to say, here's a sale. That was actually my fear about Juneteenth becoming a national holiday. Cause I was like, oh great. Now we're about to get mattress sales for Juneteenth. It's fantastic. Did we though? Did we though? I don't know if we did. Car sales, car discounts, you know, it's coming. I would not put it past people, honestly. But this is what I I mean about like connect. When I was in-house, my biggest goal, because we owned a mixture of media and e-commerce brands, what I said to those leaders is we need to connect our DEI strategy to what you do and the purpose of it, right? Like, why does this really matter to you? And luckily, you know, one of the, a couple of those brands were artist driven. So it was really easy to be like, hey, we're going to highlight these black artists during Black History Month, although we highlight them and we keep it up all year round, right? Like it doesn't, it's not a look at these black content creators or artists and it just lives just for February. It stays up there all year round so you can find it. That's easy, an easy way to connect to it, right? If we're talking about some of our media brands, we're talking about Black maternal men, um, health, right? Like, this is why it matters. I want to talk to you about something that actually impacts the community. And this is why our business is inserting itself into this conversation because it makes sense for us, right? It's not just about being like, hey, there's a, you know, a sale for, I don't don't even know, like, you know, or using Martin Luther King quotes to just attract people. It just, it, it, it just boggles my mind because we've allowed as a community, I feel like we've allowed companies to get away with a lot. And I feel like we should use our voice more and say like, this is what we expect from you when it comes to these observances months. This is what we're looking for. 
because we have a lot of dollars within our community. And I say this the same as like Women's History Month. Like, what do you want out of these companies and start telling them that? Yeah. It's interesting that you talk about these observances months because they are all kicking off. April is Arab Appreciation Month, I yeah. think. I just mm-hmm. looked I looked that up once because I was like, I must know. Do I get an appreciation? You do. <laughs> I added it to our curriculum and I was just like, I added it. We had like recipes and stories. It was, you know. I love that. Okay. So this is the, the spurrix. My next question is, I have talked to a lot of HR leaders personally who are like, I want to celebrate Black History Month, but the pushback I get from my leadership team is, well, if we celebrate that one, we have to celebrate all of them. Is that what hard? advice? I, I'm at, literally asking you, what advice do you, what, what should they say okay. to them? Because I mean, I also <laughs> would be like, lovely. We can celebrate a lot of people's perspective and lived experience. Isn't that great? But that's just me. But like, what advice do you have for HR people who are trapped and the leaders are like, we can't do it because now we have to celebrate everything. You're never trapped, right? I was DEI team of one for a long time. And I literally built out a curriculum and a calendar for every month of the year that lived on our intranet. It was a lot of work. So maybe if you have the budget, you can get yourself like There's a ton of people who want to get into DEI. If you could get a coordinator or somebody like that who's really good at putting these kinds of things together. But if you have an intranet and somebody willing to do the research, I'm really not sure why you wouldn't just highlight as much as you can. Because the thing I tell people is that the reason I got involved in DEI is really understanding that our education is not uniform, right? So there's a lot of communities who are learning things in different school settings, whether it's public or private, that's really relevant to those communities, but maybe not taught in a community that doesn't have anybody there who looks like them. So people are standing on you know, business. And I, I look at like people like you know, the 1619 founder who's trying to actually has a dissertation in black history and telling people facts that I only dream of being able to pull out of my head in a reasonable amount of time. And they're just like, you know, looking at Wikipedia and being like, look what Wikipedia says. And it's like, this woman is doing her whole career in 20 years research of a specific community, but you want to fight back against it because it's, it's your feeling versus fact, right? Yeah. Again, back to the fact of Felix. It's interesting. Like, I actually think if I'm trying to remember the beginning of our friendship, it was because last Juneteenth you were featured in an article. And I think I reposted it and commented on how I never learned anything about that growing up. And I don't think I grew up in the South. Like, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, which, I mean, st- some people still flew Confederate flags. And I, I go back and I'm just like, gross, please stop. Right. Like, right. I don't love it. I don't love it. Right. Um, yeah. So I think it's very interesting because there's a lot of things that we don't learn growing up. And even then we're so young that we haven't really learned the critical thinking skills to be able to ask our teachers, well, what did Black people experience during this time? And was the Civil War really fought on? What was it? What was it really fought on? Like, how did people really feel about slavery? And to get real answers from your teachers, you're just taught what's in the textbooks. And then you end up with this lived experience as an adult and you don't have exposure sometimes to multiple communities. You do not. And I'm I'm super grateful for growing up in Detroit, Michigan, where it is predominantly black. And my teachers were like, whenever people post like who name your first like black teacher. And I'm like, um, kindergarten. Like, I don't have a memory of. I think I've probably could count on one hand how many white teachers I had. And now that's not to say like one's better than the other, but what I'd like to say is we saw what was achievable, right? We were getting, we were seeing people who look like us teach us, which is really powerful in that moment, right? And having a mixture actually of those teachers, because, you know, I had white teachers who poured into me too, but like the very idea that we're talking about things that matter in the community because those teachers belong to that community was really powerful for me. And I understand that that is not a norm. So when I go out into the world and I talk to people, I go, oh, you actually have a gap of information, right? Because this wasn't really taught to you. And I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and try to fill the gap of education so that we, our goal is basically for us to have a good conversation as coworkers, as collaborators, so that you're not saying anything out of turn that sounds a little beyond wackadoodle to me about my community, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not pissed yeah. off, right? I'm not going like, I have to explain to you why you can't touch my hair. Like you should know why that is, you know, like. I would sock someone for touching my hair at this point of my life. I'd be like, what are you doing? What's that food that you're eating? Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? 
mean like there's Why a way. Why are we celebrating that holiday? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There's a way for us to be able to actually use education so that we are minimizing risk within the workplace. That's the point. Yeah. Like that's what we're doing. And it sucks that it falls on HR and DEI leaders and whatever. It does, right? It absolutely I wish people had a viable resource where they could go out like cuz what's interesting to me is I actually said like last year something like, "Well, Google is free." And then all these little youngins came back to me and they were like, "But there's so much misinformation out there in yeah. Google." And I was like, "You know what?" That is true because I'm old and I came around at the time of the internet being created. So the misinformation was was minimal because we didn't have a lot of, you know, people in somebody's basement just purposely sabotaging information. So sure. So what's my mission? Yeah. My passion is education. I will share it with you. I think it takes like one time to put everything together and then you're just updating it every year. And there are a lot of HR communities that would be like happy to help an HR person who's balancing this. Yep. But I, I think if your company truly cares about inclusion, yeah, you can't ignore the fact that these months are happening. And I think it just makes someone feel even more alienated. There's a lot of HR leaders who actually are the gatekeepers of this information. I was having this yes. conversation with a group of friends and one of them told me how they're a consultant and they were checking in on a, on a company and asking how their DEI efforts were going. And the HR leader said, it's great, you know, for Latinx heritage, we got them Cuban food. I'm making a really bad face right now. I'm making a really bad face right now to anyone listening. That was it. That is the extent of the highlight, the celebration, the whole story. And I just am like, there are some people who don't feel like this is their responsibility. They don't see how they're responsible for the people within the organization in its totality. So they're cherry picking what that looks like. Honestly, I feel like I would never do that. But the second thing is like, you could just write a document. That's like, this month is Black History Month. This is what Black History Month means. This is what it celebrates. And here are five resources you can go read to help you. There are so many amazing, viable resources out there, especially if you think about, like you're in DC, so you have the incredible museum centers there. They do so much work. That National African American History Museum has a ton of resources out there for people that you can just hyperlink to and that will help. And, and you don't have to be an expert. Like I'm the one who goes overboard and tries to basically create a semester of a collegiate <laughs> like Black History 101 or any any of them actually. I take I it. Just, you know, all of the observances, I would just be like, I'm going down the rabbit hole and I'm sh I don't even know how many people actually interacted with it, but I do know people learned a lot from it. Um, I would get messages here and there. Sometimes I felt like I was shouting out into the abyss, but it exists. And that made me happy because should you ever be curious, you've got someplace to go. I did share one company I worked at. I shared that I was like celebrating a holiday. And I said, this is why I'm celebrating this holiday. Here's what it means for my culture, my family. Yep. Here's what I like to do for fun. And I just like did this on my own accord. We did not have any sort of like plan in place. I was like, I'm just going to share so that people know. Yeah. And I shared and, and people reached out privately and were like, thank you so much for sharing that. I learned so much. Yeah. And I was like, I literally, I really wrote a paragraph and they did it. <laughs> but that's the thing. I think like a lot of people, a lot of HR teams, like it's, it's really easy to like, there's so much we're tackled with, we're, we're tasked with. And then that brings me to like, my next point is like, should DEI live in HR? My answer is always no. But Sometimes we're given when you're an HR team of one or two, DEI becomes your initiative and you are overwhelmed with what you should do. And I think a lot of business leaders too are like, well, we shouldn't talk about that. Like, we don't want to talk about race at work. That's a bad idea. And it's like, you have to share the things that are happening in the world because your, your people are experiencing it and it's a part of their lived experience. And if you ignore that, they're going to feel ignored. Like they're not going to feel included in your environment. People, I say that all the time to leaders, your silence speaks louder than any mistake that you can make. Because people wow. will feel ignored wow. and they will feel like we're not supposed, like you can make a mistake and talk about it. Um, one of my favorite events that we did was we had a body 
conversation, a webinar. And I didn't want to do like, I hated the idea that in January, everybody's just like, I'm changing my entire existence. I'm just going to be like a vegan workout queen or whatever. And I just never be. And I'm like, you know, I wanted to have a more comprehensive conversation about how do we view our health and our bodies in the new year? Like, what can we do to just make ourselves feel better? And I had a really great panel. And one of the panelists was this uh, woman who blogs about fat positivity. And the fact that she kept using the word fat in our webinar, somebody got pissed, but we had a real time conversation about it. And I'm talking about an organization that literally were just like church mice. Like we said nothing. We were just like, this is so great. You know, it blew up. And rather than kind of ignoring it, we leaned into the uncomfortable part of the conversation real time because we're all adults. Right. And we can talk this through. And I feel like everyone left with a different idea about what that means for them. And, you know, there were some naysayers, leaders who, before I had that conversation, they didn't want no parts of my event at all. And afterwards they were like, wow, that actually was something that was incredible. And I think you have to take those risks as a DEI leader. And back to your your other question, I would like for DEI not to be under HR. However, what I have learned in my experience is because my last boss was an HR leader, depends on the person too, right? Because it depends on the leader who is going to be able to say like, audit us, go ahead. I'm not, I'm going to be a way maker and not a gatekeeper, right? I'm going to say, you can go ahead and you can do this. And, you know, if you have different departments, if you're an HR leader, if you're saying like, I have you know, benefits here, HRS here, DEI here. I think it makes a little bit more sense in terms of departmentally. But I will tell you one of the things that kind of scares me is when I was under a chief legal officer (laughs) to the general counsel. That would be terrifying. And I I am no thank you. That's a hard no for me. Honestly, a hard no for me is like DEI reporting into HR. Like I, I do believe it's really hard. Like when I'm building something for HR, I'm building it with my best intention. But the Uh thing that we have to remember is my best intention still includes my lived experience. So something that is normal to me might not be normal to someone else. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea of DEI living separately. Love it, support it always. Because then you have a partner to tell you, hey, that thing that you are building is actually inequitable. And you might not know it. With your best heart, you might try to build something that you're like, this is fair to everybody. But an actual DEI expert could come in and say, hey, it's actually not fair. What you built right here doesn't work for a lot and of communities. that's why I say I think it really depends on the leader who's going to be able to hear that if somebody reports into them and say like, hey, that thing that you built is really not equitable. If you're the kind of leader that's like, let me listen to this throughout so I can get it. But if you're the kind of person who's like, I'm not trying to hear that, that's more about you as the HR leader. Because I'm the, the reality of this is this, right? There are a lot of companies who are cutting down on their DEI spend And they are not having departments and they're not having actual executives. They're hiring manager level and below to do execution rather than strategy. And you got to work with what's best within the reality of your workplace and do the best that you can. And if you feel like you can't execute, then that might not be the place for you. But the reality of it is there's a lot of companies who are like, why are we spending this money? Did you know Employee Appreciation Day is March 1st? Your employees may be wondering how you're going to appreciate them this year. Don't get caught without a plan. You need Snappy. Snappy is the gifting solution for employees, customers, and everyone in between. The majority of companies are planning to celebrate their team, so don't miss out on showing your appreciation. Whether you have a specific gift in mind or prefer offering a curated collection for your recipients to choose from, Snappy has got you covered. Get started today at www.snappy.com slash here. The world of work has changed for good, but many HR performance management tools just don't cut it. Enabling performance in the modern world of work requires a modern approach, one that's agile and asynchronous, but still fosters connection and collaboration. Have you heard about PI Inspire? It was designed specifically for today's performance management challenges. It helps you gain a deep understanding about yourself and your team and share personalized insights to help you learn how to manage and develop each direct report. Meet people where they are and start developing new leaders at every level. Learn more about PI Inspire at www.predictiveindex.com. 
I come back to the fact if you if you don't care and you don't want to participate, just say you don't care and you don't want to participate. Say you don't care. Just dis- I feel just- you're going to save a lot of heartache and a lot of struggles if you just are upfront about who you are. But no one wants to be. But know the consequences of that too, right? Because then if you look at our census and our population growth, Mm -hmm. by 2045, you're going to really wonder where your customers, your candidates, all of your investors are because you've made a very specific stance to not include growing populations and demographics that are going to be more critical to your business than they are right now. So make your choice, make your choice wisely. I mean, everyone knows uh, there will be a day where I never have to say, but the business case for DEI, there will be a day where I never have to say those words again. And I look forward to that day because I'm going to celebrate with like a cake and balloons. I'm going to be like, people get it. They're like, your businesses are better off when they are more diverse. You want a lot of perspective. I've said that at one of the um, conferences I was speaking at, I said, I'm tired of making the business case daily. Even an in-house person has to make the business case every single day because people are not clear about what DEI means. They don't really have the clear definitions and how it applies to what they do. And so when we start using terms that we, again, feel like they mean something as opposed to what they factually mean... You know, there's got to be somebody in the room who's like, that's actually not what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you mean not just Elon Musk on Twitter? The the Twitter discourse has been disgusting, to say the least. Just not something I really want to partake in or give any airtime to here, frankly, because I don't like that man. And I don't know. And that's the supreme example, I think, of uh, the assumption that somebody who has a certain level of status and money is actually smarter than the rest of us, which is not true. And I'm hoping that people are learning that that doesn't make you smart. That just makes you ability to fail up quite a few times. And hopefully that irks you like it irks the rest of us. Because if you put anybody else in that man's place who is a you know a person of color or whatever how many chances do you actually think that person is going to have to be able to say some of the ridiculousness i was um speaking of black history month so i don't know if anyone's seen american fiction but i think it's definitely one of the book um, the oh movies God. that people should see the movie is incredible but the cast was talking about being labeled difficult because there's a perception of black people black actors you know if they ask for anything minutely and i'm fortunate to have a lot of you know friends who are actors who are in the business who verify this like if you ask for you know a hairstylist who couldn't actually do your hair oh my gosh she's difficult and i think it was jeffrey Wright was saying he was at some club and he saw a picture of a very famous white actor punching a photographer, like a, you know, a paparazzi photographer. And he was like, just imagine if that was me. I would not be sitting here having this conversation with you because that is the epitome of a career killer for some of us, right? Like not all of us have that. We can't be labeled cool if we're punching a paparazzi, you know, photographer. We're just, we just can't. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good... That is such an inter- interesting perspective because you're right. There's a lot of things that I say like, I can't do that. Right. I can't do that. I can't be acting like that because people are going to – the amount yeah. of times I've gotten the feedback that I'm aggressive or because I'm too direct and I'm honest and I'm just like, what is aggressive about this? Because like micro, I have seen people – <laughs> Oh, Yeah passionate. You're very passionate about. I had one leader who did not understand why I was advocating so hard for people to be able to join meetings without their camera, because I do believe in neurodiversity. I believe we are actually in people's houses. Hello, this is my stuff right here. Y'all are invited in here, right? Um, Not everybody needs to see all that. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And, you know, um, I said the assumption that they're not working hard enough or like they're not interested. I said, that's such a a wild perception and assumption to make. And he was like, why are you so passionate about this? Like this, it's not like it's a a race or a gender thing. Like I'm only supposed to care about race or gender. Oh, my soul just left my body. (laughs) My soul just left my body. I would be like, excuse me? You said the fuck what? (laughs) I can't do that. I I can't do that. I mean, I I really can't either. 
My right. face would be so hard. My face, I, I've like conditioned this face to be so lacking expressions because if I were able to make the expressions that I would make when people say shit at work, I'd be like, it wasn't even a heated discussion, but he did say, well, we had a really heated discussion the other day. And I was like, that was not heated. Like that, that you want to see me heated, sir. That's not it. Right. <laughs> That's not it. But it brings up the same. So you and I have been talking about this on LinkedIn too, the um, Jay-Z's commentary at the Grammys. When he started his speech, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like I was like, he's, he's really, he's really saying this. You know what makes me sad? And because I, I was, uh, I feel like there's a certain demographic of people who got that speech immediately. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I looked at Beyonce's face, what I saw was someone who was really visibly moved that their partner was actually advocating for them in a position that they would not find themselves in. Right. So he took the opportunity, however complex and layered that actual award is, because Dr. Dre has his own issues, but like, he took that opportunity in the moment where he's being honored to speak truth to power about something that was really important. And what do I do? I go to TikTok and I see that there's a group of specific people who are just like how he embarrassed his wife and how could he actually take that moment? And, you know, maybe she just what she would really, really appreciated is you not cheating on her. And I was like, if she's forgiven her husband about whatever their their inside marital situations are, I bought none of her business. I love it. I don't know how much of it is not. I actually don't care. But like we are, you're we've missed critical thinking where we're not able to actually take the speech and understand exactly what he's talking about. And one co- one person commented on a specific video and a black woman who said, "Y'all are really doing this in Black History Month." And the comments were like, "What does this have to do with Black History Month?" And I was like, "Okay, well." <laughs> Where is the next spaceship pickup drop? Like I just, yeah. bags are packed. Me and my husband and my dogs are just waiting for the next. Come take us. Yeah. Come take, please swing by DC and grab me. Yeah, I I was just like, honestly, I was like, you advocating for your partner yeah. and making commentary about something very real is just, what could you say about that? Like, I don't care. Like, maybe the man, like, whatever he did in their personal life, we don't know. I'm also like, we literally don't know. What we know is fiction. Unless yes. you show me the proof. Yes. Like, unless you're there I and you're like. I don't want to know, actually. I'm actually standing on what he's talking about, which affects a lot of us, which is us not being recognized, even though we are do- going above and beyond, which, you know, I'm trying to pull back from because I actually don't want to be extraordinary anymore. I think I just would like to do my best and then go read a book at 630 and like call it a day. I'm trying to, I don't want to burn out, but like if there's anybody who deserves for their name to be spoken about, it would be someone who's, you know, done the likes of a Beyonce, right? Like there's a lot of Beyonce's at work. There's a lot of Beyonce's at work. Oh my God, that's the episode title. Um, but there's a lot of Beyonce's at work and we need to protect black women. Honestly, every year, every month I'm like, we need to protect black women. Is everyone listening to me? Get on board. We need to protect them because all the data shows that black women do not have it easy at work. And here's all the factual no. data that shows you line by line how they are mistreated every single day I'm by this world. This company. Of whatever I am standing, I am sitting here able to talk to you, given the lineage that I have, where I didn't even have parents or grandparents who worked in a corporate setting. I don't know what the playbook is that I think a lot of people take for granted when they did have family members who knew how to play golf or get promoted easily or earn the actual amount that they're supposed to. A lot of us are entering this workplace with no playbook. And the resources that we're getting from our companies are not enough. And they're doing trauma and they're actively creating trauma for us. 100%. So I try to be a, a person who learn my learn from my wins and learn from my mistakes constantly, which is the only reason why I stay on social media. Because I know there's a lot of people entering the workplace who look like me who actually don't know what they're supposed to do. Oh, I love that. Don't make me cry on this episode. <laughs> I'm not well. I'm very emotional. No, I mean, I mean, like, I think about that a lot. Like, I'm not a black woman, but I mean, like, I, I have so much empathy for them, though, because I experience my own, and it's not to yes. be 
extreme black woman heaven. I would never deign to say like, I have the same experience as a black woman. That's not allyship. It's allyship to me is like understanding both of us are experiencing different circumstances and supporting each other is what brings me joy in life, honestly. But I think about being like a first generation, like not my parents were immigrants. Right. And so my dad didn't know anything other than like work really hard and you get rewarded. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but, but I can work really hard and the game is still different for me than it is for other people. And I just set myself over the edge doing it. I love that. And it's like not competition Olympics for sure. But I think we can learn something from each other on what our journeys are. You know, one of the first books I read in college that helped me to understand the immigrant story was um, Polly Marshall's Brown Girl Brownstones about the Jamaicans coming into New York during the 60s and not understanding that they would be treated like Black Americans, which they did not feel like. They were actually trying to model themselves after the Jewish community because they felt more kinship to that. Work hard, build up your blah, blah, blah. And so when they got here and experienced racism, they were flat out flabbergasted. Like, what do you mean? We are Could not. Could you imagine? Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, which is why I will plug another movie during Black History Month cast the or, you know, the book itself is incredible. But Ava DuVernay's movie Origins is like I literally cried from the beginning of it until the end. Like I could not like I had this in my car for like 10 minutes so my eyes could unswell so I could drive because like not because it's like the grief. Olympics or whatever. And there's like a lot of grief to it, but because some of it is so moving that when we talk about superiority and inferiority within society, there are so many levels to it. And I just really want the people who need to see it are the ones who won't see it, but I, I, I I hope that they do. Yeah. Um, anything she does, I consume instantly. I'm like, Oh, I can, I can watch it right now. Okay, good, good. I'll watch it. (laughs) Her work is beautiful. I mean, I just, like, I think about all the anger that was felt towards the Oscars where, like, uh, Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for Best yeah. Director. And and mm-hmm. a woman has only been nominated for Best Director 10 times, and three women have won. Yeah. Right? And I literally went to go look at the list because I'm like, what about Black people? was, like, my first thought. I was like, I understand. I know it's not a game of, like, this or that, like, women or men, Black right. people versus mm-hmm. white people. But I think there's something to be said that there's, like, such little represent- such little representation at those levels. And that means, like, those stories aren't being told. So someone like an Ava DuVernay, just, like, anything she makes, I'm like, please, more. Because the more that people see this and can understand what other people have experienced or how other people think or how other people are perceived by the world is how we build better empathy. And I just feel like we've lost the sense of empathizing with someone else because we are a selfish culture. That's very true. It's so funny that you say that because I think what the lesson we learned from that is even in DEI and workplaces, if you solve for the person who's having the worst experience within your organization, literally everyone in is impacted by that because you are solving for the word, you know, and I think when you think about representation, especially when it comes to entertainment and things like that, like uh, a friend of mine sent me an an anonymous Oscar voter who was like, we need to do away with DEI and this woke Olympics in the, you know, and I was like, first of all, you didn't sign your name. And secondly, um, (laughs) if you look at the organization and you find out who's missing, who's not in this room right now, yeah, whose voice is not being part of this story right now, then you're having a different conversation that I think is really important. And every company can learn from that, especially when we're talking about these observances months and these, you know, who are you, who's deciding what your strategy is? Who are you running this past? Yeah. If you look around the room, my, my thing has always been like, if you look around the room and everyone looks like you, yeah, chances are everyone's going to think like you. Yeah. Chances are you're going to miss out on some very unique opportunities to yeah. make your company more innovative, make the things that you're doing more innovative, and to get more pers- like more of everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's I just, oh, God, I'm having a lot of feelings. Every episode I say I'm having a lot of feelings, honestly, I should stop having my friends on these feelings. <laughs> no, I think these are necessary feelings, and that's because we're actually not allowed to have them real time sometimes. Yeah. And the work like I the work that DEI professionals are doing day in and day out and HR leaders who truly care about this. I know firsthand and you know it, too, how hard it is to do this work. It's really, really hard 
when, like I said, people go on their feelings versus facts and they, there's a need to legitimize those feelings and they will do acrobatics and somersaults to be able to actually verify that, you know, there's a such thing as reverse racism or that it's okay for us to co-op terms like woke, which, you know, I mean, honestly, just people running with their own definitions of things and it being okay, but we can't stop. We have, like Jay-Z said, you have to keep showing up until they give you the accolades that you deserve. I loved the speech, honestly. (laughs) I would like it in a t-shirt. I know it's pretty long. I know. I, yeah, we got to keep showing up, but like, I, I just know some days that showing up is really hard and whoever's listening to this, like you have so many champions and people in the world who are going to continue to advocate for you and the work that you're doing. And honestly, if you need to take a day where you just don't show up, that's actually okay too. You can actually sit that day out. That's totally fine. The world. Yeah. You do not. I do like that. You said, do you want to be ordinary? Because I say all the time, like I have to be extraordinary to even be considered ordinary. And now I've also been like, I just want to be ordinary too. Right. Okay. But our definition of ordinary is vastly different from other. Yes. And I'll caveat this other thing with saying, like, I know that I say take time out, especially if you're in these really challenging positions. But the other hard part of this is that your job requires you to be there for people when there are challenging times to help them sort through exactly what that means in relation to being employees within that workplace. So you got to figure out what that balance is, because if you don't show up for the people, are you doing your job? But then if you don't show up for yourself, are you showing up for the other people? There, There is a balance there somewhere. I just got to say, find me another job at the at any organization that is as intense as this job, okay? Find me. No, and you know what? It's our own fault because we don't tell people how wild it can be. You know, everyone thinks that everyone on this episode. On these episodes, yes. On these episodes, we'll be talking. But that's why I love you so much because you're doing the kind of work that allows people to peek behind the curtain of exactly what an HR person is supposed to be thinking about doing, executing, operating, how they show up. And I think, you know, there's a ton of HR people out there who are not doing good for this, you know, the reputation of an HR person, but there are some great ones out there who um, are really committed to being like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to be trauma-based anymore. We're not doing that. I love that. There is a, yeah. I think the place where I have found the most support and solace this year is my community. That's like definitely a plug for my community, but it's not meant to be a plug anyone listening because like, if you don't want to join, I'm not going to pressure you to, but I truly felt it's a great time. And I felt so alone, which is like where I sat up in bed at 3 a.m. and the name Safe Space came to me. And the yeah. next day I came to work and I said, we have to name the community Safe Space because I don't know if I ever feel safe in any spaces, one, for my identity and two, for my role. And yeah. I need I need a space where I can go talk to HR leaders and be like, am I, the, am I being gaslit right now? Like, here's this yeah. thing I'm experiencing. Like, someone help me. And the thing that I found in the community is there's so much camaraderie and love being spread in there when people are like, yeah, that is really challenging. And I also just experienced that. Yes. Yes. I, I, they're incredible people. And I think you attract that by the nature of who you are. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. Can you be on every episode? (laughs) Emotions all time. Hi. I've listened to a lot of Mariah Carey and Whitney this week. Okay. So it's been a week for me. That is Whitney, why so when I am in my feels, I will like listen to Whitney Houston and cry. I am so sad she is not on this earth anymore because no. she was an amazing human. Amazing like, human. And I will tell you the hidden gem of that Grammys uh, moment that we're talking about, but that Grammys night also with John Baptiste bringing out Sounds of Blackness, which is for me because the way that I grew up and I, my, my dad's been gone a long time, but that was a memory for me. That song specifically is something that I put on my playlist to to actually not give up. And so hearing that, I was like, first of all, I need that rendition immediately. But secondly, just it happening in that moment of all the moments that happened in that Grammy night. Yeah. It's, it was just, it, it, it felt, um, on purpose. I was already in tears when Stevie wonder came out. Cause like he played my favorite Stevie wonder song. Then John Bept in the gospel choir came out. And I was like, I am not okay. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> from the other room, I was like, Oh no. Like, top of my lungs. Like, 
I mean, I that alone makes me cry. But then if we're going to add Sounds of Blackness and a choir and just having Stevie Wonder and listening to Annie Lennox and just like this. And then, you know, Joan, Joni Mitchell, who was, I mean, between her and Barbara Streisand were probably the first white women I actually listened to when I was a kid. So like, I was not OK. I was not OK. I was already not okay when Mariah Carey stepped out. I literally screamed and then started crying. <laughs> she is she is what I saw on TV, and I was like, "That's me." Yeah, like curly hair, like, yeah. you know, not white skin. Like that is me. I was like, yeah. Mariah, and not identifying as white yes. actually, which yes. was really powerful in a time where you know someone who looked like her 30, 40, 50 years ago would have to pass. Yes, I remember. Oh, Mariah. If I ever saw Mariah Carey in person, by the way, I would actually probably drop dead. Like she is everything to me. I hope I'm there so I can explain to her why you're- I'm sobbing. And I'm just sobbing. <laughs> also, she's apparently supposed to be in Vegas when I'm in Vegas. I just sent the thing to my friend. I said, I don't care how much tickets are. I will buy you a ticket. You are coming to Mariah Carey with me. And she was like, okay, I know how much you love her, so I'll be there for you. Her literal response was, I'll be there for you. I actually need a Vegas fund at this point because... Mariah said, I'm coming. And I said, girl, same. Like, (laughs) I will be there with you. What are we singing? Is it Thank God I Found You? Is it Emotions? Is it Dream Lover? Let's go. I'll make the set list. You can sing it. I'll sing along backup. I'm going to need pictures and video. I. It's not going to be good for me. It's really not going to be good. I love this woman. I hope all of you know how much now I'm telling everyone how much I love Mariah Carey. Okay, with a few minutes left, yes. tell everybody how they can get in touch with you so that they listen to this episode. They want to be your friend now. Back. Uh, but- I am on LinkedIn underneath all of your posts and <laughs> commenting on every post that you have. And uh, you can also find me at equityactivations.com. Um, you can send me an email. My email address is there as well. I am on the socials at uh, Tara Haynes. If you care to find me there. Um, but yes, I feel like I'm everywhere. You're everywhere and you'll be linked in the show notes so they'll be able to find you. They might yeah. cut that whole Mariah Carey bit out, but I really hope they leave oh, it. I hope not. Editing team, you hear it here first. Like over and over again for the next few minutes. If this is how I meet Mariah Carey, this is all I've needed in life. Thanks for tuning in. Keep up with all the latest HR resources by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you love I Hate It Here, tell an HR friend. I'll see you next time.